0: Let's go right into our service this morning. I want you to take your Bible and go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I have all kinds of different thoughts on what to preach. I've got too much, but this is the one that gave me great comfort and great encouragement. And I said, well, I'm just going to use this one. I'm just going to go with what what is on my heart. And it may be very simple to you, but it's the, the simple things that if we did well, they make for everything else to be easy. Uh, I'm going to talk about the priority of prayer before everything else. In Mark chapter 1, I'm going to read just uh, five verses. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, and then we're going to pray and get right into the Word of God. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. The Bible says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For thither therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Let's pray. Father, here it is. is a time where we can hear from you, and I pray that we would listen to every nuance of every word, that we would catch the heart and the vision of Jesus. Because this is not about uh, us, this is about uh, a world that's dying and going to, going to hell without God and without hope. And Lord, there's a chance for us to make a difference. If only we would do the priority things. Lord, our faith is to be secure and be uh, calm and, and full of trust and not fear. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to um, have that confidence Not because we're smart or because we are um, uh, strong physically or mentally, but because we pray, because we walk with you, because we spend time with you. Give us a delight in what your Son delighted in. So bless this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this this morning I want to dive into the Gospel of Mark. Now normally we do that on a Sunday night, but this one really, really blessed me because... Uh, I want to watch Jesus and uh, watch Him as He does the most important thing that you're supposed to do in times of great need and trouble. And that is to pray. Now there are three things that every one of us need to be doing during this lockdown. Three. If you do them, you can do anything. Number one, you need to read through your Bible. You need to read through your Bible. If you read four chapters a day, you could read through the entire New Testament in less than three months. There are 360 days from he, I'm sorry, there are 360, uh, uh, well, let me just let me just uh, hold that for a minute. There, 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 there's enough time to, in the next three months, to do the entire New Testament and finish that. If you've never read your Bible, you should get the New Testament done in just three three months of lockdown. Hopefully, it won't take that long. But uh, secondly, serve our families. I mean, we're, we're stuck with them. We're, we're here with them. Uh, God called us to be servants. Now, we've been busy taking care of our our employer. We've been taking care of customers. We've been taking care of bills. Boy, uh, I'd like to become a better servant at home. So, the second thing we ought to do is spend time with and listen to and hold and serve one another. You may not be able to hold other people, be able to hug them, be able to have coffee with them, but have coffee with your wife. Uh, Have time with your kids. And... uh, Make their joy your entire purpose. And the last thing, and the most important thing you need to be doing during this time of lockdown is praying. You say, well, prayer is such a wasted effort. I mean, it's such a mechanical effort. It's not a mechanical effort, not according to Jesus Christ. So, um, uh, pray is what we're going to talk about this morning. You're going to see, the truth is, you're you're going to... Jesus, you're gonna you're gonna see here in a moment. Jesus, of all people showing us that the, that prayer is the one thing that we must do. Now, yeah, you can do a lot more. I mean, there are things you can you can study your Bible, you can uh, write notes uh, on your Bible study, you can you can do courses, all of those things. You ought to do a lot of things during this lockdown. But those three things, you do those three things, you will be ahead of the game. So Jesus shows prayer is the one thing we all must do before we do anything else. So. Uh, Let's get into some background here. In Mark chapter 1, in every city and village that Jesus went to, there were great needs. Lots of needs. Um, uh, There were health needs, mental needs, emotional needs. There were physical needs. But he was well known for all the impossible situations he could just speak into and he could fix. He was able to touch and heal lepers. He straightened and restored men's withered hands. He raised young and old from the grave. He dismissed every demonic spirit that was imprisoning countless numbers of people. So obviously crowds would would constantly gather around him and they would bring their biggest problems to him. That's not a bad thing. People come to God with problems and that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, And in the midst of all that activity, Jesus does something that is the key to meeting all of those people's needs. He asks his Father for help. Before Jesus ever faced the crowds, here's the great truth. See, before Jesus ever faced those crowds or any problem in this life, he faced his Father in dependent prayer. That's what he did. Not because he was weak, but because he's our example. In everything Jesus did, he showed us how we are to act and react. He did not rush off and just take care of people. He rushed off and made sure he spent time with his Father. So, back there in Mark chapter 1, if you will, look at verse 35. I want to point out some things from the scripture. Verse 35 says, And in the morning, rising up, watch these words, a great while before day. You know, the first thing in the morning here was a priority to Jesus. A great while before day means it was before dawn. It was still dark outside. When people were normally asleep, Jesus got up and went outside to pray. That was a common thing with God's people throughout history. In Genesis chapter 19, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. He got up before anybody else. Uh, Proverbs chapter 31 tells about a woman, she's called the virtuous woman, she's very. She's, she's uh, worth the world. Uh, she gets up early, she, takes, she makes sure that all of her servants are taken care of. She takes care of everyone in the house uh, early in the morning. And she takes care of her walk with God. That makes her a very special kind of woman. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. <laughs> then, um, uh, let's see. I'm going to turn this off here. I thought it was off. Then, um, in Psalm 5. Go to Psalm 5. I'll show you this. David, great king, busy king as he was. Uh, all kinds of situations going on, whirling around his, his life. Psalm 5 and verse 1. It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. So God knows what you're saying and He knows what you're thinking. He says, Hear me. Verse 2. Hearken to the voice of my cry. So He's not just talking. He's talking heart to heart. Hear the voice of my cry. My King. Isn't that funny? One King talking to the King. And my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear when? In the morning. O oh Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. If you ever spend time in the morning praying, after you pray, you won't be looking down, you won't be discouraged. You start off low, and God will bring you high. So first thing in the morning. Obviously, timing is everything. Uh, Jesus did not have an alarm clock. He had absolute self-discipline. He didn't wait to be pushed to pray. He didn't, even, didn't need emergencies to force him to pray. He had a sense of anticipation. Go to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. I know what it's like to have anticipation where you've got to get up at a certain time. Uh, you know, whenever I've had to be at the airport, at like at 5 in the morning or 5.30, you set the alarm for 4, and your body still wakes up at 3.30. At least mine does. It's just that thing of anticipation. Psalm 63 and verse 1. Notice what this is. This is a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah running for his life. And he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. So, what has he got? He's got some anticipation. So, why did he get up so early? Why did he get up a great while? It didn't say just before dawn, it said a great while before uh, the day. It's because he it was going to take a while to pray. Always does. Prayer shouldn't be over quickly any more than a walk with your wife or your children should be. Now, right now, you may be able to walk from the sitting room to the kitchen and to uh, to the backyard and back, and it's over. But, you know, if you ever get a chance to go for a walk, I bet if we ever got let out of our houses and were allowed to do what we wanted to do again like like we used to, we'd take a nice long walk together, wouldn't we? Well, that's how we ought to make time for God. Make time. Listen to God's promise. I'm going to read, go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 in verse 17. Just the first part of that verse. Proverbs 8, this is a keeper. This is one of those good verses you need to hold on to. Proverbs chapter 8, and verse 17. God says this, I love them that love me. You do it out of ritual, you do it out of ceremony, you're wasting your time. You pray, and you pray because you love the Lord, because you know He loves you, and you pray from your heart. The Bible says, God says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early... So, That doesn't mean that things are bad and all of a sudden you remember to pray that God's going to be hiding from you. But, you know, you ought to be in the habit of praying. You ought to be where you regularly are, early seeking God. You see, it's not to the smartest or the most theological, the wealthiest or the most holy person that God answers. You know who God answers? The most earnest. Think about that for a minute. God answers the prayer of the earnest, the desperate, The intense seeker of God. Verse 35 goes on and he says, He went to a solitary place. Verse 35 says, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed unto a solitary place. Now this is an interesting choice of words because you know what he did? He self-isolated himself. Isn't that interesting? He self-isolated himself from everyone and everything going on around him. Now he wasn't trying to be alone, just to be alone. but he's trying to be alone with God. He sought a private audience with the creator of this universe. And you can do that, I can do that too, right now. God has right now, in all of Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, France, Belgium, Italy, Azerbaijan, over half the world, you know what God has done? He stripped away, not from us, but for us. He has taken away our leisurely shopping center visits, Our coffee breaks, our holidays, our classmates and office mates. He's taken away our trips to the cinema. He's taken away all the sports and all the time eating out. He kind of wants us to take some time to get alone. Sounds like it's supposed to mean something right now at this time. We're in a solitary place where maybe you are alone. And I I feel for you. I understand. But that's not a bad place to be. Not if you're trying to, if you're going to use that as a place to get with God. Because the next part of the verse says this. Look at the last three words of verse 35. Mark 1, And there he prayed. That's where Jesus prayed. He didn't pray out in the big crowds. And it's not bad to be called upon to pray in the crowd. But this was where Jesus really prayed. What a thought. The Son of God prayed. What does it mean he prayed? Well, it means he talked to God as the one in charge. You've got to realize God is the one that's in charge of this. It wasn't China, it wasn't uh, some secret lab, or it wasn't some government official, or it wasn't some uh, evolutionary uh, tragedy, folks. This is God. And he's the, one that can, that he's the only one that can do something about this. Now, yeah, we may develop an immunity, uh, but our world is never the same every time something like this happens. You talk to the one who's in charge. He talked to God as his Father. Look in Mark chapter 14, in verse 36. Look at at a very interesting word that Jesus uses when he's talking to God. Mark chapter 14, in verse 36. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I'll give you one guess what he's doing. He is praying. Mark chapter 14, verse 36, and he said, well, look at verse 35. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but that what thou wilt. He talked to God as his Father. He wasn't talking to a distant, uncaring Father, like many of, of fathers today are. But he talked to his Abba. The most, Abba is the most intimate, humble, heartfelt name you can call someone. It's like saying, Daddy. Now, I would normally, if I, if I met my dad, or I don't know, he's, he's passed, passed away, but if I got to be with my dad, I would say, hi, dad, hi, dad. But can you imagine me running up to him and saying, dad, dad, daddy. That'd be very humiliating, almost. But you know what that is? That's me so intimate with him that I love him, I don't care what anybody else thinks, that's my daddy, that's my dad. I may be 57 years old, but he's my daddy, and you know, Jesus, when he's praying, he's talking to God not as the Father, all Holy One, and he is the Holy One, but he's Abba. He's Abba. You know what he did when he was praying? He asked for whatever he needed. I guarantee you, Jesus had a list. He wasn't aimless in his prayers, he didn't waste his time in prayer. When he prayed, he asked for whatever he needed. He named names and he listed, lead, listed needs. He brought needs before the powerful throne of God's mercy. Now, I don't know what you may have, but you ought to have some sort of a book that has a, a list of prayer needs. On Wednesday night, every Wednesday, we work at trying to get a list of, of names and, and of things that, that are needed to, uh, to pray through. That's a prayer list. Now, I have my own special one that I do, and it's a it's a uh, flip prayer list. It's got my, the church folks, the people in the church that I pray for, the needs, uh, and uh, also I pray for our missionaries. I put all of their cards, and it's just, I made it myself. It's just all the different people that I want to pray for and remember to pray for. And so, when Jesus went to pray, he didn't just sort of go, um, uh, um, believe me. He had reason, a reason to pray. Because there were needs, and he was going to the only one that could meet those needs. He trusted God to supply all those needs. Why pray if you don't believe God's here in you? Why pray if you don't believe He cares? Why pray if you don't believe He'll answer? Why pray at all? Yet Jesus Himself, still in Mark, go chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus invites us to receive what we pray for. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I said unto you, Mark eleven twenty-four. 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Isn't that amazing? See, Jesus, when he prayed, he believed that he was going to get what he needed. And you need to do the same. I think one of the things that we forget about when we pray is the need to forgive everyone. Because Jesus, when he would pray, he forgave, forgave everyone who abused him and misunderstood him. You say, how do you know that? Huh, look at, there it's still in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Look at Mark 11:25. 25. We just read 24. Look at verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought. You know what that O-U-G-H-T means? If you have anything against anyone. See, I can't control if anybody's got a problem with me. But I can, have, I can control whether I have a problem with somebody else. If you have ought against any. When you stand praying, forgive, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So when you stand praying, or when you kneel praying, wherever you're praying, forgive. You think there's anyone that Jesus won't forgive? Even on the cross, after being so mistreated, brutalized, you know what Jesus prayed? Father, forgive them. Question is, do you have anyone you haven't forgiven yet? I wonder, I wonder, if you really wanted to have answers to prayer, if you would take the time to say, Lord, show me who I have not forgiven in my heart of hearts, if I've never expressed forgiveness to somebody. I don't care whether they appreciate it, I don't care if they understand it, but I'm going to forgive because I need help. The priority thing is to pray, and if I'm going to get answers to prayer, I'm going to have to forgive. He then asked, God to bless and benefit others. You know who Jesus thought about us. Jesus never thought about himself. He always took care of other people. And that's, a, that's an amazing thing. That when he got down, his list wasn't all about himself. Can you think, can you think, can you imagine that Jesus Christ would say, Lord, I pray you give me uh, better clothes. I pray that you give me some better friends. I pray that you give me good food. I pray you give, you know what? He asked for daily bread. And then he prayed for everybody else. You know, you know Matthew 5, I don't, you won't go there. Matthew 5 says, I say unto you, Jesus says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and perse- persecute you. You know why he said that? Because he was doing that. He said, that's how, that's how you pray. If you spend a lot of time in your prayer time praying for yourself you're out of balance it's not that you're not supposed to pray for your your own needs but if that's mainly what you're praying for you're missing the point of prayer pray for others but mainly let me just finish up jesus talked with god it was his daily routine it was part of his schedule he was even throughout his day he was in all his thoughts Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Let me tell you this, folks. Let me tell you this. If you want peace in this storm, if you don't want to worry about what's happening around you, or whatever, the Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed anchored, locked on to thee, for he trusteth in thee. How are you going to trust in God if you're not talking to him, if you're not asking him for help when you need it, and then getting it? He loved praying. He loved spending time with his father. As a man, Jesus prayed, can you, can you not spare one hour during this lockdown every day to pray? That's a tall order because, boy, it seems like the least important thing to do. And yet, our nation needs Christians to pray. Back to Mark chapter 1, and I'll finish up here with these last thoughts. His disciples followed Jesus. Verse 36, it goes on, it says, And Simon, and they that were with him followed after him. That's a unique thing. See, this is where we come into the picture. Peter, James, John, Philip, all those disciples were normally doing like Jesus did. They wanted to be like him. They yearned to be like this man from Galilee. And that's a good thing. It's what a disciple does. You know, they wore that name disciple with great joy. They They weren't ashamed of wanting to be like this poor, plain, and simple man. Unfortunately, when Jesus was praying, they were sleeping. So they weren't quite there yet. There was much for them to learn about to become like Jesus. Like, like us, they needed to be men and women who prayed. Now the disciples, they followed Jesus, they were looking for Jesus. And that's not a bad thing. In, 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 in this situation that we're in here in Ireland, we need to be looking for Jesus. Saying, Lord, what are you trying to do? Where are you? Where are you? What's, what's going on? What's the priority thing that we're supposed to be doing? And guess what Jesus was doing? was praying. Then, I want you to see verse 37. Notice what the word was looking for. Verse 37, when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. You've got the most likes on Facebook. You've got the highest following on Twitter and Snapchat and all the social media. Everybody's looking to you, Jesus. You know, evidently, early that morning, there were crowds of people already at Peter's house, knocking on the door, awakening up the disciples. Jesus has already left. You know what they were looking for? They were looking for a savior. But not the kind of savior they needed. They were looking for a a helper, a miracle worker, someone who would take care of all their problems, heal their sicknesses, and get rid of their troubles. Kind of like today, people will only look for a God who will fix their loneliness, or take care of their bills, or um, fix their children, No, the disciples, now when they got out of bed, they were looking for Jesus that early hour, and and honestly, they didn't want to deal with these people. They could heal. Jesus had given them power to heal and to to, um, help, but they didn't want that ministry load, not that early in the morning. They wanted Jesus to take care of that thing. So when they found him, now he wasn't too far away, Jesus ignores the expectation of that entire crowd. They're back at the house. You know what Jesus says? I want you to see in verse 37 again. And when they had found him, they said to him, All men seek for thee. They're all looking for help, God. Every Jesus, they're looking for you. And then verse 38, And he said to them, We need to go to the next town. I've already spent enough time here. We need, let us go into the next towns and we preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Hmm. Jesus ignores the expectation of that of those people. And a lot of times, there are a lot of things that Jesus ignores in our life. And don't get upset at him. We've got things out of balance, and when we're expecting to have life as usual, the Lord ignores our expectations. It's for our benefit. He's trying to teach the bigger deal, the bigger thing. Then, here's the great point. Jesus showed that the world needs what I'm doing right now. Says, the world needs preaching. Verse 38, verse 39, Jesus says, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. Circle that word, preach, there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, and he cast out devils. It's funny. Think about this for a minute. Look up and, 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 and think about this for a second. The thing that everyone thinks they can do without, Jesus said we need the most of. You know, you'll listen to uh, uh, Leo Varadkar, and you listen to every government, and you know the last group that they'll ever mention that is a necessary um, uh, uh, industry or a necessary operating uh, company or whatever is a church. The, the least important person in all of the, this uh, uh, virus and all of this problem is a preacher. Isn't that kind of funny? It's funny now how that now biblical churches are closed, You know what people are getting? They're getting a taste of what it's going to be like when they won't be able to hear Bible preaching anymore at all, when we Christians are all gone. Do you know what good preaching is? It's telling God's side of the story. You see, everybody wants you know, to be told it's going to be fine. Everybody wants to be told that uh, this is not a big problem. Everybody wants to be told how we're going to get money in our pocket and we're going to get through this. Everybody wants to be comforted. Everybody wants to be made happy. Everybody wants to just sit down and have have more Netflix videos coming out the wazoo. But you know what this world needs? It needs preaching. It needs someone who will tell God's side of the story. Someone who will tell the truth about life and marriage, and love, and child-rearing, and work, and play. Tell the truth about sin, and death, and hell, and heaven. You know what preaching is? Preaching is explaining all the things we cannot see. You get a doctor on there, and a nurse, or some uh, high medical official, trying to explain what a virus is. Things we cannot see, and how dangerous it is. Let me tell you, there's some things we can't see that are powerful. Like God. Like the Holy Spirit, like, like demons and devils. There's something eternal that only only the Bible can tell you about, and a gospel preacher will tell you about, and that's your soul. That thing that you give the least amount of attention to. And that's what a gospel preacher will tell you about, is your soul, and how valuable it is to God. Preaching is the exposing of, of the sins of politicians and stars. We got too complacent, wouldn't you agree? We got too complacent with the movie stars telling us how to be moral when their lives are the most wicked thing imaginable. Preaching is when you call upon grown men to humble themselves before God and repent of their sin. Preaching is the public honoring and worship of the living Son of God, Jesus Christ. You know how few preachers there are? It's getting fewer and fewer. You know, when you go to most churches, you know what they honor? People. They make you feel good. I'd like to honor and worship the Lord Jesus. Real preaching denies the whims and the carnal desires of people. You know, if uh, we're in the Western world, we sit on nice chairs. We sit in nice warm houses and nice warm church facilities. What if God continued to take all this away and we were back on dirt? Would we still worship God? Believe me, more than ever, preaching is needed. Jesus didn't say and heal all those people and just keep healing, keep taking care. He says, i got to go and preach. I've already prayed. It's time to go preach. And guess what? The results follow. Look at the end of verse 39. He went throughout all Galilee and he cast out devils. Do you know, believing God's hearing and believing God's truth will bring great results. It'll defeat the devil's work everywhere. I think our world has been infested with demonic work. I could go on for an hour trying to show you where the devil is in the detail of everything going on. He's he's been working in our schools. He's been shoving uh, uh, wicked teaching Unto the, unto the hearts and the minds and the lives of five, six, seven-year-olds. He's been undoing every thought of morality and, and, and righteousness. The death. And it, it's time that, that this got undone. And this lockdown could be that time if preaching would go forth. You know, uh, some people, some marriages could get back together. Some addictions could be finally defeated because you can't go down and you can't get your fix and you can't get your bottle because you don't have any money. I I wish the government wouldn't just hand out all this money. People need to sit and just spend some time with God and humble themselves and ask God, God, help me, instead of my bottle. You know what? You know what? God's able to roll back every disease. It's no problem for God. He brought this in. You know, in Egypt... God brought in plague after plague after plague across all the land. And he'd wait for Moses to pray. And then when Moses prayed, God would drive that plague out to the ocean or out over across the sea. He, he just, he'd drive it out of the land again. Now don't you claim God's protection. Too many people are claiming every verse they can in the Bible. Well, God's going to protect me. God's going to protect me. Well, I hope he does. But don't you claim that protection when you spend no time with God yourself when you spend no time crying out for help and protection. The very God of heaven will take care of those who trust him. And I'll tell you this, you don't have to understand God to, to, to trust him. I've never understood a doctor when he's trying to explain what he's got to do, but I trust him, usually. <laughs> hmm. First Corinthians chapter 1, best of all, it tells you this. Go to that, You're, we're finished in Mark, go to First Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Best of all, you know what preaching does? See, praying doesn't do it. Church doesn't do it. Baptism doesn't do it. Preaching saves souls. That's why Jesus went from town to town preaching. He had been praying so he could preach so that people get converted. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 17. The Bible says, Christ sent me, this is Paul saying, Christ sent me not to baptize. Good night. John was sent to baptize. I was sent to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. I don't sound smart. I don't sound good. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now some people get upset at my style. I don't know what my style is. I'm going to tell you this. Don't listen to my style. Listen to the cross. If somebody comes up and he's so good speaking and so good talking he's got all the technology, you'll miss the cross. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is always going to be foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. Boy, look at verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, couldn't find Him. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Isn't that wonderful? Did you notice the pattern? Let me finish up here. Did you notice the pattern? He prayed. Wrote down as he talked with God. He stepped away from everyone first and he spent time with the source of all strength and the source of all comfort to get help that he needed so that he could be a help. I wonder if you could be a help. You're not ever going to be a help until you've gotten help from God. So he talked with God first. Secondly, he talked for God. Secondly, he preached. He told what God thought about the things going on in the world. And then he got what he needed from God. He talked with God. He talked for God. And then he got what he needed from God. Not until he had made his walk with God the most important thing could anything ever be done. Because God had become man. And as a man, he did everything as we must. This is the secret to our worldwide shutdown. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. God says, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence, that's a virus, among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. I guarantee you, I know Leo is not praying. (laughs) So like the Bible tells me to, I pray for him. I pray in spite of him. I pray in place of him. I pray for all in authority. You may not like Donald Trump, but I want to tell you this, you need to pray for him. You need to pray that he's got wisdom that's not his own. You need to pray for Boris Johnson. You need to pray for Angela Merkel. You need to pray for leaders to make wise decisions, not just reactions to all the things that are going on. You know, there's nothing working to slow this virus in Italy. People are living in terror. Let me tell you, instead of more quarantines, instead of more money, we need people desperately crying out, especially God's people crying out for God's help. Will you pray? What's the first thing you do in the morning? Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Will you make the first thing you do prayer? Do you have a solitary place? I bet you do now. I bet you got and You say, "Well, the kids were all up." At, well, they're probably up at seven. Why don't you get up at five thirty or six? Why don't you get up and pray, <clears throat> self isolate, pretend like you're sick with the virus, and say, "I got to spend time in the audience of the created universe," and then pray, pray like Jesus prayed, where you talk to God, man, would you? Just ask for whatever you need. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Come into His throne of grace. One well, of these days you're going to stand before the throne of judgment. And, but come before the throne of His grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Trust Him to supply all your needs. You know, we're trusting the government far too much. You better start praying instead of filling out all the forms. You know, our world needs a savior, would you agree? Our world needs a savior. A great physician more than ever. There are people right now that are on respirators that need somebody to be praying for. them. I'm glad for the doctors, the nurses, I'm glad for hospitals, they are a godsend. But we cannot leave it up to them to be able to fix this situation. It's up to us to fall on our face and to pray for them. And then preach unto them Jesus. You say, say how do I do that? You do that after you pray. You do that after you fill your heart with God, and then you can't help but speak. Be a preacher of the gospel. Tell the world the truth about this is God trying to wake us up. You know, some people are saying it. I'm watching people say it more and more. Amen. But don't you let movie stars and don't let uh, uh, other people that you say it. Say this is God trying to wake up our world, and he's, w- he's awakened me. You won't be able to do anything until you become a prayer warrior where you've, you've fought first on your knees against this this disaster that's affecting our world. And I'll ask you this. We believe the gospel right now. You know, it worked for me at a kitchen table. I wasn't in a church when I got saved. I was at a kitchen table and a man stood, stood across from me kind of like you and me in front of the television there and he just opened up the Bible and went through everything and he says, you're going to have to just believe God. Either God's right or he's not. And if he's right, why don't you trust him? And I got down on my knees, and nobody told me to do it. I got down on my knees right there, and I cried out to God to forgive a sinner like me and to give me the gift that he had purchased for me on the cross. I asked him to save me right then and there. You can do that. Jesus will save your soul today. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be in a church. You know, I've been watching people say, you know what, you can't get Holy Communion. You can't go and get last rites. You can't even have a priest uh, uh, do all the things that people need, think they need to be saved, I'll tell you this, you can trust God right now to save your soul. You can craft Him right now or there from the deepest, darkest pit that you may find yourself in and find salvation and find peace and find a new life. All you have to do is believe it to be true and ask. I'd like to pray for our nation. I really would. I'd like to see God do something with our nation. I'd like God to protect our nation. We need to pray for our our health workers. Uh, More and more of those people are getting sick, just trying to deal with this thing, and they're bringing in volunteers. Praise God for volunteers. We need to pray. So as I pray, I'm also going to pray for you. Would you bow with me? Father, in this brief time, we try to have church, and church is not all about the music, and all about the worship. Church is not... A place where we get entertained. It's a place where we get preaching. Jesus spent a time alone praying. And then when he got out of public, he preached. And then there were results. People were freed. People were, were converted. People were changed. Lives were changed. Homes were changed. But it all began in prayer. So this is where we're at right now. We're begging you, God, to help us. Help our nation. Help our families, God. Like never before, There could be the miracle of of the stopping of divorces. Right now, there could be the restoration between parents and children. Right now, these are things we dreamed about, and we, we watched just flitter away into the distance and into the dust. Over these past few years, things have been drying up, God. Things have become harder and harder for people to even hear the gospel and hear. Right now, we've all been shut down, and we've been put in our homes, and we've been set back to almost 50 years ago. Would you give us back what we've lost? Because we're praying for it. Because we're asking for it. Because we're not just hoping to get back to the way things were. We're hoping like it were a few weeks ago. But we would get back to the way it were 50 years ago and 100 years ago 200 years Back to the way it was in the first century. Back where people loved you and Sacrifice everything for you, for the, lo- for the lost and for others. Give us back our families. Give us back our sanity. Give us back our humility. So we, in our homes, if we can't hug anybody else, at least we can hug at home. At least we can hold hands at home. At least we can serve at home. At least we can, can, can bless at home. God, when we come out of this, I pray we would be a different church. A better church. If there's only 30 of us attending, may we be the most bright and joyous and committed and prayed up people ever. Because that's what this world needs. And these real Christians will stay the course in doing the right things, praying and preaching and getting answers to prayer. Lord, right now I pray for somebody to get saved. I don't know. Maybe there's some husband sitting next to his wife and he's never confessed Christ. He's never cried out and said, God be merciful to me. I said, he's watched his wife be changed. He's watched his children's lives be blessed and changed. And he's just hardened his heart and just walked away. And here you've got him stuck in the same house with a Christian woman and he has yet to be saved. I pray that he finally says, okay, today, I will. Dear God, save me. Maybe a woman who's just sitting there watching this thing listen to this and say, I've heard this over and over and over and it just doesn't work, but today the penny's dropping. You've got my attention, God. And I don't always, I may not have another day. None of us may have another day. The gospel's going out here on YouTube and Facebook like never before. Isn't that the grace of God? It's the mercy of God, but one of these days it'll be over, be through. You'll have no second chance. Today is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. Are you ready to get saved? Will you not cry out to him right now? You don't have to have fancy words. You don't have any words, but you do have to have the desire, the most intense desire ever, that God would forgive you and save you and make you a follower of Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that if somebody does get saved, let me know. And some Christians have been encouraged, I pray they let somebody else know that God's still on the throne. And that, yeah, we're going to get through this, but we're going to get through this better. So, Lord, I love you. I thank you for preaching time. I thank you for church. I thank you for our precious people. I pray for Leo Varadkar right now, to, in his heart of hearts, to ache with the emptiness of his own wisdom. And that Simon Harris... Leo are driven to their knees that they would cry out for repentance cry out for the chance to repent and to cry out for the if they really care about this country they would cry out to the God who became a man and died at the hands of politicians died at the hands of the religious they cry out for forgiveness they cry out for the deliverance of this nation from the pestilence that's ravaging other countries like Italy and elsewhere Lord, I do pray. That we would never be the same. Thank you for bringing this, bringing us all to our knees in Jesus' name.